For most of my life, I have had really good vision. Uh, and you're like, why are you wearing glasses? Let me tell you why. I tell you why. Uh, so about six to eight weeks ago, I, I noticed that things were getting a little fuzzy. I turned 44. I have knee surgery, fuzzy eyes. My life is falling apart. What, what, it's not in the manual, folks. It's not in the manual. Age 44, everything falls apart. It's not in the manual. And I know some of you are thinking, wait till you hit 64, dude. But uh, so I noticed things are getting fuzzy. So I went ahead and I made it a, an appointment with the eye doctor. And I went and saw the eye doctor. And, and uh, one of my favorite part of the eye exam, one of my favorite parts of the eye exam, is when the uh, doctor, he's sitting there and he puts the, the big thing in front of your face, the big lens thing. And uh, he uh, does the number one, number two. Number one, number two. You know what I'm talking about? Like when he sits there and goes, okay, which is clear, number one or number two? And he flips different lenses in front of your eyes. And so number one or number two? Number three or number four? Number four or number one? And, and, and the, the hardest part is trying to keep track of which one is best. Number one or number two? I think number two. Okay, number two or number three? Ooh, number three is good. You know, and so you sit there, you know, it's cool, it's cool. It's like, you know, you think, I, I, I can see pretty well. I can see okay. I can, you know, I can read stop signs and stuff. And, and then all of a sudden he puts the right combination of lenses in front of your eyes. And then you can really see. It's like, wow, my eyes aren't that good. Uh, and it's like, wow, number, number three and number four. That's, that's fantastic. I love that part of the eye exam. I hate the part of the eye exam where he blows uh, air in your eye. Oh, isn't that horrible? You're sitting there and all of a sudden it's like, poof. You know, it's like Mike Tyson punched you in the face. It's just like a little poof of air. So I'm sitting there, you know, number five, number six. Okay, great. And so I, I, I ended up getting these guys. Uh, and, and, you know, I've had glasses at different times in my life, but mostly just to make me look smart. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, then until I open up my mouth and then I erase any kind of delusion that I am uh, smart. Uh, but... Uh, I, uh, I like my glasses there. And here's the, here's the thing. There are no line bifocals. I mean, I went like straight from zero to 100 in like four seconds. Like no glasses, no line bifocals. What in the world? And these things take some getting used to, right? Because you've got to do this with your eyes. You know, you look like you're agreeing with everything everyone says. So, uh-uh, uh-uh. Oh, okay. You know? So, um, uh, you know, in our lives sometimes, things get out of focus. In our lives, sometimes things get fuzzy. You know, kind of like my eyes. Things were getting fuzzy, and I need to do something about it. I need to get some lenses that kind of clear everything up. It'd be great if there were some lenses that would clear things up in our lives. Because sometimes things get out of focus. Sometimes th things get out of whack in the way that we see things. You know, you start to work too much. And your family life gets out of whack. It gets out of focus. Your priorities get out of focus. You're not spending enough time with your spouse or your kids or your grandkids. Things will get out of focus. Uh, in, in your, uh, you know, if you eat too much, <laughs> you know, your health can get out of whack. Things get out of focus with your health. If you um, watch too much TV or too many movies, especially the wrong kinds of TV movies, you know what I'm talking about. You know, it kind of, makes things get out of whack, out of focus a little bit. If you spend too much time doing the wrong things, your life can get out of whack. Things can get out of focus. 
It'd be great if somebody had some lenses that they would just kind of put over your eyes and help you see things a little more clearly. Maybe have some better priorities. Maybe have some better habits. If somebody could just put some lenses on you. And, and even spiritually. You know, if somebody would give us some spiritual lenses to be able to see life more clearly. That we could focus on the right things more often than focusing on the wrong things. Especially when it comes to the church. Especially when it comes to our relationship with one another in the church. When it comes to our relationship with God. If somebody could just give us a, maybe a pair of no-line bifocals that would help us see spiritually a little bit better. It'd be great, right? Well, I know that um, the Bible helps us see things. And there are passages of Scripture that help us get back to where we need to be, that help us focus on the right things, that kind of takes the fuzzy out and makes things a little more clear. And one of the passages that does that, I think, is the passage we're going to look at today. We've been talking about the book of Galatians here on uh, weekends, and uh, today is, uh, we're, we're getting ready to wind it up. Uh, we uh, or wind it down, wind it down, wind it down. Uh, we are getting ready to wind things down. We've got two sermons left in Galatians. Uh, we've been studying the book of Galatians here since the beginning of the year. It's been challenging. It's been very challenging uh, in our connection groups. It's been challenging in our lives. Uh, to, uh, to understand what it is that, that Jesus frees us to do. And, and that's what the whole book is about, is freedom that we have in Christ. Um, we uh, have talked about how Jesus frees us from our past, uh, from performance-based religion, how Jesus frees us to uh, live by the Spirit. We talked about that last week. We talked about how the Holy Spirit uh, brings about uh, fruit in the lives of believers. Uh, fruits such as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This fruit of the Spirit that is made manifest in our lives, the longer we walk with God, the, the longer that we are Christians, the longer that we follow Jesus, uh, the more loving and joyful and peace-minded and, and patient we become. And sometimes I think being a Christian can get discouraging. Sometimes I think it can get almost depressing when we look at our lives and we wonder, what is taking so long? Why is it taking me so long to become a better Christian? Why is it taking me so long to become a better follower of Jesus? How, why am I still struggling with this habit? Or why am I still struggling with this addiction? Why am I still struggling with this sin? And we wonder what's going on and what is taking so long? And I want to encourage you this morning that um, change doesn't happen overnight. Transformation takes a while. And I want you to think about, if you're struggling with your faith right now, if you're, if you're discouraged in your faith, I want to encourage you to take a look back, not over the last week or over the last month, but maybe over the last six months or the last year. How far have you come as a follower of Jesus in the last six months or a year? Or maybe five years? Or maybe even ten years? Think to yourself, you know, if somebody would have come up to you ten years ago in 2008, think back to way back to 2008, that was ten years ago. And if somebody would have said in 2008, in 10 years from now, you're going to be sitting in a church building on a Sunday morning at 9.30 in the morning, listening to a sermon and singing God's praises, you might say, there is no way. Who, who are you talking about? Not me. And yet, here you are. It's pretty cool. 
how the, how the Lord brings about change in our lives for the better. And, and so I want to encourage you that if you're looking back and thinking, man, I'm not making any progress, you're making progress. You're making progress. And, and don't get discouraged. And don't get so frustrated that you feel like throwing in the towel. Keep going. Keep persevering. Keep, keep up the fight. It's worth it. It really is. Um, so I just want to encourage you with that this morning as we, again, turn to the book of Galatians. Today we're talking about how Jesus frees us to love people. And, and that's what we really want to do here at GFCC is we want to love everybody. We want to love people. Uh, we want to love God and we want to love people. We want to tell people about how much Jesus loves them. That's what we do here. Um, so uh, I want to encourage you that if you would uh, please open up a Bible. If you brought one, great. Turn to Galatians 6. We have, like I said, two sermons left in this series. And then next week, uh, on Easter Sunday, we start a brand new series called uh, Jesus Is. Uh, and we're looking at seven statements Jesus made in the book of John about who he is. So we're going to talk about who Jesus is. Uh, for seven weeks starting on Easter Sunday. So invite a friend to come and if they have doubts about who Jesus is, we're going to look at his statements about who he says he is. Uh, but for today, we're in Galatians 6, 1 through 10. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 826. Or you can use your favorite app on your smartphone or tablet. We'll also put the words up here on the screen in just a moment. So we're going to take this passage in two different chunks. Uh, the first is verses 1 through 6, and that's about how Jesus frees us to love our fellow believers. Jesus wants us to love our fellow believers in the church. And let's face it, sometimes it can be downright difficult to love people in the church. Christians can be kind of annoying uh, sometimes. Uh, well, good, no amens. That's good, that's good. So that's fantastic. Uh, but no, Christians can be kind of difficult to love sometimes because Christians can be downright judgmental. Christians can be downright harsh and mean, uh, you know, and, and that got a lot of amens last night, I'm just telling you. Um, but in all seriousness, Christians can be very judgmental and Christians can be very condemning, looking down their, their noses at people and pointing fingers at people and forgetting all about their own sins and just pointing out everybody else's. And it gives Christians a bad reputation. And especially when it happens in the church. Folks, we're on the same team. All right, we're teammates in this thing. We're on Team Jesus. All every one of us is on Team Jesus. If you're a believer in Christ, you're on Team Jesus. And the worst thing we can do on Team Jesus is pick on each other and and put each other down and judge and condemn one another. Now that doesn't mean that we tolerate sin. It doesn't mean that we 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 put up with sin. No, we have we have responsibility for one another. We need to hold each other accountable, but in a loving, gentle way. And that's what Paul says here in Galatians six. Let's look at the first six verses. Paul says, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual or more spiritually mature should restore him, how? Gently. You should restore him gently. Uh, there's uh, nothing worse than someone uh, restoring, trying to restore someone in a mean-spirited way or, or, or spreading gossip and, and rumors about people. If you catch someone in a sin, first of all, they're dealing with the shame and the guilt of their own sin. And if you're, all you're going to do is uh, heap guilt and shame upon them, that's not gentle. We should restore them gently. The goal is restoration. And so if you see somebody in a sin, restore them gently. He says, but watch yourself or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. And this is how we love each other in the church. Carry each other's burdens. 
And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. You will look more like Jesus when you carry each other's burdens. Because he said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And he comes alongside and he carries the weight of the burdens of life with us. He says in verse 3, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Verse 4, each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. And, and again, when we think that we're something and we think we're better than everybody else, that's when we're in danger of sinning against people by judging them, condemning them. You know, Jesus said in John three seventeen that the Son of Man did not come to condemn the world, but he came so that the world might be, might be saved through him. And when Christians think it's their job to judge and condemn other people, Jesus said that's not even, that wasn't even his job. That's not even why he came. He didn't come to condemn anyone. He came to save everyone. Look at verse 6. It says, anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. And, so, and basically what that means is love your preacher by paying, for, paying him. And now, I, you know, that's what it means. You know, if, if you receive instruction in the word from a teacher, preacher, kind of pastor, kind of guy, and you should pay that guy. Amen. Well, thank you. All right. Cool. 9.30. Check. <laughs> you are the service of the day. Um, but uh, it, it, in all seriousness, we need to love each other in the church. Because like I said, we're on Team Jesus, and we may be all that we have. You know, the world's not, the world's not coming in and, and loving us. You know, things are getting dark and things are getting scary for Christians in the world, in America, you know, but we, we need to love each other because we're all on the same team. So it's important that we love each other. Now, if you're not a believer, you're not part of the church yet, that's okay. We want you to know that's all right. We want you to keep coming, asking questions, keep coming and exploring faith with us. You know, nobody here is better than anyone else. No one here has got it all together. We're all a work in progress. Nobody here has figured it all out yet. And if they have, they're lying. Or they're deceived, one of the, one of the two. Because we're all a work in progress. And we're all trying to figure it out. But we want to do that together in a loving, gentle way. And so I want, I want you to know that if you're, if you're struggling with something today, some kind of sin or some kind of addiction or habit, uh, this is a safe place. If you're struggling with fear or doubt, this is a safe place. We want you to come here. We want to help you. We want to help you become a better follower of Jesus Christ. And if you don't know him yet, we want to introduce you to him. Because like I said, we believe that he's the hope of the world. He absolutely is. And he can fill your life with hope and purpose and meaning and peace and joy. He can do that. And he will if you'll surrender your life to him. You know, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ by believing in him, repenting from our sins, confessing our faith and getting baptized, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. And that's when the Holy Spirit produces that fruit in our lives, that, that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Goodness. There's goodness in there too. Uh, but he pr produces that fruit within us. And we start to look more like Jesus. This is what we want. To look more like Jesus in the way that we love, serve, and forgive other people. So now, like I said, if you're not a believer in Jesus yet, that's okay. Because I believe this passage here is also for you. This next passage, this next part is, is for everybody. And, and in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10, that's exactly what Paul wants us to to do is he wants us to love everyone by doing good to love everyone by doing good uh, let's look at verses 7 through 10 so paul says do not be deceived god cannot be mocked a man reaps what he sows if you sow goodness 
And if you sow love, you will reap goodness and love. If you sow sin, and if you sow uh, bad uh, character, or bad habits, uh, you, if you and look at verse 8. Uh, the one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. But the one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to who? All people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So we should do good in the church. We should do good for one another in the church, but not just people in the church, not just for Team Jesus. We should do good for all people as we have opportunity. Because when we do good for all people, we, we create a good witness for who, we, for who we are and to whom we belong. We create a good example for what a Christ follower looks like. And let's face it, there's enough Christians in the world that are, that are out there uh, hating on people and condemning the world and, and uh, standing on a soapbox and, and, and preaching hell and, and condemnation. You know, they're not winning anyone to the Lord, or very few. Paul calls us to do good, to love everyone by doing good to everyone. That's what we're called to do. And if we will sow seeds of love and goodness, we will reap a harvest of eternal life. Not just in our own lives, but in the lives of others. If we sow seeds uh, that please our sinful nature, and if we're all about selfishness and, and our own sinfulness, we, we, we'll, we will reap destruction, he said. So I want to take just a few minutes now, maybe five or six minutes, and I want to talk about two groups of people. I want to talk to two different groups of people today. The first is I want to talk to people who don't know Jesus yet. And if you don't know Jesus yet, like I said, that's fine. This is a great place to come and, and get to know him. And, and if you're not following Jesus yet, I believe this passage speaks to you. Especially this last half. This last half of this passage speaks to you about loving people, about loving everyone. Uh, in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39, Jesus said this. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this applies to everybody. That if we will love our neighbor as ourselves, our lives will be better. And so you may be asking, who is my neighbor? Who should I be loving as myself? The answer to that question is everybody. You should be loving everyone as you love yourself. You should be loving your neighbor, like the literal physical neighbor, the person who lives next door to you. And you may not like them very much, but you need to love them in Jesus' name. You need to love your neighbor, your next-door neighbor. But your neighbor is more than just your neighbor. Your neighbor is anyone you come into contact with. Your neighbor, your neighbor's in your house. Not right now. I mean, I don't mean like your physical neighbor's like in your house right now. That'd be, that'd be creepy. But uh, I meant that your neighbor is someone in your house. Your spouse is your neighbor. Like your husband, your wife, your significant other, maybe. They are your neighbor. And you are to love them as you love yourself. Your children, they're your neighbor. You need to love your children as you love yourself. That's unconditional kind of love. It's this unconditional, unselfish, unlimited kind of love you need to love your children with. Teenagers, your parents are your neighbors. Say, what? No, they're not. Yes, they are. Jesus says, teenagers, 
that you need to love your parents as you love yourself. Wait a minute, how can they be my neighbor when they're my enemy? Your parents are not your enemy. I know, crazy, right? But it's true, your parents are not your enemy. Your parents are your neighbor. You need to love them as you love yourself. So you need to love your, the people in your house as you love yourself. You need to love your neighbors as you love yourself. You need to love your coworker as you love yourself. Yes, the annoying one who never shuts up. That, that's this guy. I just yak, yak, yak all day long and annoy people. But no, in all seriousness, your, your coworker, your colleague, whether it's if you're a manager, someone under you, or if it's, it's the guy in the, uh, across the assembly line from you, uh, if it's the, the girl in the uh, cubicle across the hall from you, in the office across the hall from you, whoever your coworker is, they are your neighbor. You need to love them as you love yourself. And I'm telling you, in these relationships that you have in your life, the relationships you have with these people, they will improve. They will get better. Your relationships will be better if you will love people as you love yourself. I guarantee it. You will have better relationships if you love your neighbor as you love yourself. I like what Andy Stanley says. He says that we should do what Jesus says because Jesus can make your life better because Jesus can make you better at life. And when we love our neighbor as ourselves, Jesus will make your life better because he will make you better at life. That's what loving your neighbor is all about. So I want you, if, if this is my challenge, uh, first challenge, uh, to love someone, to love someone the way that you want to be loved. So if you are not a Christian yet or if you uh, are, are just new to faith, l- just love someone the way you want to be loved. Uh, reach out to somebody who needs to be reached out to someone in your life who needs to be forgiven or someone in your life who needs to be loved and just reach out to that person and love them this week so i want you to think of one person just take a moment and think of one person that maybe you don't want to love that you can reach out to and you can love this week and love them the way that you want to be loved now the second group of people i want to talk to for about two three minutes uh, are people who are followers of jesus christians and we have a a, um (laughs) We kind of have a bad habit of trying to be too good. Now, don't get me wrong here. I'm not advocating sin willy-nilly, do whatever you want. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, What I'm saying is is that sometimes we focus so much on being good that we forget to do good. And so my challenge for you is this. Challenge number two is don't focus so much on being good that you forget to do good. And what I mean by that is this, is that sometimes as Christians, we'll say, well, you know what, I, I have to be good. I have to do the right things. Uh, I can't sin. You know, and I'm not saying you can. No, 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 no. Don't walk out of here going, hey, Sean said I can sin. woo Let's get out the list. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying sometimes we get so focused on our own spirituality. We get so focused on our own lives and so focused on ourselves that we forget about the world around us. We forget about the people around us. And it's like, I have to do good. I have to do good. I have to, uh, I mean, I have to be good. 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 So I, I, need, to, I need to work on myself first. I, I, I got to cuss less or I got to lust less. I got to steal less. Please stop stealing. Um, I got to do these things less. And, and it's me, 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 me. And we forget about the people around us. And what did Paul say? We should do good for everyone. Do good for all, to all people. We should do good for all people. So it's not just about being good. Being a Christian is not just about being good. It's about doing good as well. 
So don't focus so much on being good that you forget about doing good. They go hand in hand. We need to be good, yes, we need to be good, but we don't need to be uh, so focused on ourselves that we forget to do good. So I want you to pick two people, all right? For challenge number two, pick two people. One, I want you to pick someone in the church, all right? Someone you may be at odds with, somebody that you may struggle with, somebody that you're frustrated with, somebody that you're angry with. And I want you to do something good for that person. I want you to do something nice for that person. I want you to do something kind for that person. This week, and you know who I'm talking about. There's someone who came to mind when I said that. Someone came to mind right away and you're like, man, I wish he would shut up. (laughs) Because that person came to mind just like that. And I want you to do something nice for that person this week. Something out of the ordinary. Treat them the way you want to be treated. Love them the way you want to be loved. Do something good for them that you would want them to do for you. And I don't mean leave them alone. You may be thinking, I wish they would just leave me alone. No, what is something kind you can do for that person? So pick someone in the church that you're struggling with right now. Do something kind for them. And then I want you to pick someone outside the church. Maybe someone in your house. Maybe someone at work. Maybe someone in your neighborhood. Pick someone outside of your, uh, outside of your church family and do something kind for them. So you've got to do two kind deeds this week. Can you do that? Can you pick two people? One person in the church, one person outside the church. And if you're not part of our church yet, it's all right. Maybe you're not at odds with anybody in the church. Good for you. But I know some of you are. And I want you to do something kind for somebody this week. And just pick that person, that person who came to mind, that person you know that you need to do something kind for and do something kind for them. Could be your spouse, could be your significant other, could be your kids, could be your grandparents, could be your parents, some your, a brother or sister, somebody that you know you're struggling with that you need to do something kind for. Yes, you do. And do it. And reach out to that person and just love them the way you want to be loved. Love them the way you want to be loved. And if you do that, and when we all do this, when we do this, our lives will be better. Because there's something amazing that happens when you do something nice for somebody. It feels, not only does it feel good, but it helps you get past those feelings of anger, of bitterness, of resentment, of frustration. And when you sit down and think about, okay, what can I do for this person? And when you start thinking about what you can do for them, it will change your attitude toward them. And when you do something kind for them, one of two things will happen. It will change their attitude towards you, or the book of Proverbs says it's like heaping burning coals on their head. They'll feel bad because they're, you know, treating you so badly, but you did something nice for them. And that's like the best kind of revenge, right? And it says right there in the Bible, it does. So do that. I mean, if for no other reason, just get revenge on them by doing something kind for them. But do something, I'm serious, do something kind for someone. And when we do that, our relationships will be better, our lives will be better, and we will be fulfilling the law of Christ.